kids are constantly growing and changing and developing physically, but also emotionally and cognitively. They are on a path of developing towards full independence. It's hardwired, right? Our development into an independent adult is hardwired into us. And so much of the discord between parents and kids is because kids aren't getting enough opportunities to test and stretch their development into independent people. But they often don't have the communication skills to share this with adults. The younger they are, the fewer skills they have to explain these feelings. So in order to take power back, in order to feel like they can pull some power back and make some independent decisions, they will refuse to do certain things. They'll refuse a task such as getting dressed. It looks like they don't want to have independence. It looks like they want you to take care of them. It looks like the complete opposite, like they're seeking more adult involvement when in fact, they're frustrated about not getting enough opportunity to practice independence. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So today I'm going to talk about testing because we hear this a lot. We will hear things like, he's testing you. Oh, your kids will test you. Oh, kids are supposed to test you. Um, We hear this all over the place. And I'm going to talk about what's really happening when it feels like our kids are testing us. Because are they really? The answer isn't really a simple yes or no. So children have evolved to prefer cooperation over antagonism. Humans have actually evolved to prefer cooperation over antagonism. Cooperation has evolved in society because humans need to cooperate with the others in their community and their society in order to survive and thrive. Kids need their parents to survive, and that understanding is hardwired. So the next time your kids are pushing your buttons just know that this is not intentional. Instead, you want to understand that it's a message that they're trying to communicate. So when it comes to understanding testing, young kids especially aren't consciously testing a parent's resolve. I feel like the term testing can be really misinterpreted. So I'm going to explore a couple scenarios, and then we're going to get into a bunch of different ways that it feels like they're testing or where they are testing, but it's not necessarily purposeful or intentional. So let's look at this scenario where your child refuses to get ready. So your three-year-old is refusing to get dressed to go to the park. She loves the park, but she's not getting dressed. And you're like, she's just testing me today. But there might be something deeper going on under there. Maybe she's overwhelmed by the previous experience that she had at the park. Maybe it was overcrowded. Maybe there were lots of kids. Maybe she felt anxious or uncomfortable. But she doesn't know how to tell you this. She doesn't know how to communicate or express it. So she's digging in on getting ready to go. Here's another scenario. You offer your four-year-old choices about what to eat for breakfast. And he just is digging in his feet. He says no, and he refuses to choose. Doesn't want anything. Doesn't want to eat breakfast. So you give a warning. He needs to choose or you will need to choose for him. He acts like he doesn't care. 
So you choose for him and now he's in a complete meltdown. This is just one possibility that could be happening. In reality, maybe he's ready for more independence, but he doesn't know how to ask for it. Maybe he's ready to make more decisions on his own. Maybe he's ready to choose and maybe even help prep his own breakfast. Rather than being given two options, maybe he just wants to say, I would like to have eggs for breakfast. Maybe he just wants to be able to tell you what fruit he wants instead of being given a choice of strawberry or banana. Maybe he wanted apples. Maybe he's ready to take on more. Maybe he's ready to just pick out his own clothes. He's ready to do the morning routine completely on his own. Maybe he's ready for wider choices or to ditch the choices altogether in these scenarios. Just make decisions for himself. And it's been building for a while, but today it's all coming out finally. And of course, it's coming out in a big way. Now, he doesn't understand that this is what's going on. He just knows this isn't fun. He's not enjoying it. Doesn't really want to choose. Okay, so there's a motivation behind every behavior or a message that's underneath. Now, the scenarios I shared are only two potential of infinite possibilities, depending on the scenario or the child or what's happening. But as we learn about child development, we get lots of clues as to what's really going on underneath so that we can respond in ways that resolve these feelings quickly and lead to cooperation. So when kids engage in behavior that feels like testing, there are several reasons, but these are three of the most common reasons that I'm going to share here. The first is a need for more independence. So this was a scenario with the four-year-old and breakfast. Kids are constantly growing and changing and developing physically, but also emotionally and cognitively. They are on a path of developing towards full independence. It's hardwired, right? Our development into an independent adult is hardwired into us. And so much of the discord between parents and kids is because kids aren't getting enough opportunities to test and stretch their development into independent people. But they often don't have the communication skills to share this with adults. The younger they are, the fewer skills they have to explain these feelings. So in order to take power back, in order to feel like they can pull some power back and make some independent decisions, they will refuse to do certain things. They'll refuse a task such as getting dressed. It looks like they don't want to have independence. It looks like they want you to take care of them. It looks like the complete opposite, like they're seeking more adult involvement when in fact, they're frustrated about not getting enough opportunity to practice independence. They're frustrated and resentful. And so it comes out as a refusal to cooperate. I don't want to listen. I don't want to do what you're saying because I don't feel like I have enough independence. I don't feel like I'm respected and trusted as an individual. So to alleviate the power struggles because of the need for more independence, you can give your kids as much autonomy as they can manage within safe boundaries. It's fine if they mess up. Mistakes are opportunities to learn. We don't get better if we don't push ourselves a bit beyond our comfort zone and our abilities. So they may spill the milk. They may put the shirt on backwards. They might get some toothpaste on the counter. They might make their bed and it might be messy and the sheets underneath might, you know, make some wrinkles or make it poofy with the comforter over top. That's okay. That's why we're here, to teach and guide right? They get to try on their own. They get to make some mistakes. We get to tell them what they did well. We also get to help them next time. Here's what we're going to work on for next time. Okay. The second reason that kids will push and it feels like they're testing is when they want attention. So I know it can sometimes feel like children, especially young ones, are a bottomless pit when it comes to the need for attention. And some kids need more reassurance than others. 
And actually in the class on temperament, this is in the Successful Parenting Playbook. It's actually in both memberships, the Successful Parenting Playbook and the Thriving Families. Successful Parenting Playbook is open all the time. Thriving Families is closed right now. But in this class on temperament, I share about high needs babies and kids and the four temperament traits that mix to result in high needs, what we consider high needs babies or kids and how to manage this. Now, my oldest was high needs. So if you're dealing with this, I know what you're going through. I know it's tough. The good news is high needs babies and kids have amazing positive attributes too. Once you understand what you're dealing with, once you know what this is, even just knowing like, oh, he's high needs. Okay, this is what he needs. This is why, this is how I deal with it. Life gets a lot easier. And once they get the reassurance they need, they actually become very self-motivated and independent and their positive attributes will shine through really brightly. So one of the strategies for helping kids get the attention they crave is through positive reinforcement. This is when we notice kids doing something positive and we let them know, especially if it's in the areas we want them to improve. We want to see them do better because we so often bring attention to when we need our kids to do something differently. This is human nature. We do this with everyone. We do this with adults too. We don't really talk to our spouse or our friends about what they do great or what we appreciate about them. But when they do something we don't like, we're really quick to go in and talk about what they need to do. And we do this with our kids too, like what they need to do better, what they need to improve. Please clean up the toys, please, right? Please stop leaving stuff out all over the place. Throw your trash away. I'm tired of finding trash around the house. Like we tend to focus on what they do wrong instead of what they do right. When we focus on the positive, well, thank you for putting that trash in the trash can without me asking. That was really helpful. This will actually reinforce that behavior. It lets them know what to do rather than what not to do. So let's just say you're having trouble with a child who needs a lot of attention and you really want them to improve their independence. You want them to be less needy. Anytime your child is doing something independent, you're gonna give attention for it and to it, and you're going to label it as independent. You've been playing quietly on your own for 10 minutes. That's so independent, right? This is a child who has a really hard time like sitting and playing quietly on their own. Even if it's three to five minutes, if you have trouble getting your child three to five minutes, great. You got dressed all by yourself. That's so independent. You took the plate from the table without even being asked. That's independent. So this lets your child know that you value independence. You got a snack all by yourself. That was independent. Soon they start to see themselves as independent and they do more things that embody independence. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever trait it is you would like to see your child embody, start noticing when they do anything, the smallest thing that embodies that trait. Describe it and label it. And this is where we get into use descriptive praise because the way that we tell our kids or share with our kids is really important. So the examples I gave are using descriptive praise. It's describing the behavior and then labeling it with the trait that we like to see. So I cover exactly why and how with lots of examples in the discipline tool series, the toddlers, the preschoolers, the kids five to 10. And these are the discipline tools classes that are available in both memberships, including the successful parenting playbook, which is the entry membership for only $7. So if you want to know more about that, you can go to the website, yourvillageonline.com. Check out that membership. Descriptive praise builds internal motivation for positive behavior and self-esteem. So I also covered two more techniques that help you focus on the positive with your kids, which also increases positive behavior and therefore decreases negative behavior. 
The great thing is that you can use descriptive praise all the way through childhood. Teens still appreciate hearing positive feedback, and it has all the same benefits on their behavior and on your connection with them. When my kids are helpful, independent, ambitious, hardworking, creative, you name it, I tell them. And they are the most cooperative, articulate, loving teens that I ever could hope for. So I'm going to get to the third reason that kids will engage in these behaviors and a lot more tips around dealing with kids who are testing behavior in very specific scenarios and ways right after a word from our sponsors. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T. P-U-R-O-A-I-R dot com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look, and some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads. Love where you live. Now that we're back, the third reason kids engage in behavior that feels like testing is resentment. So resentments can be small or if they go unhealed, they can snowball into huge resentments by the teen years that can make those years absolute torture for everyone. Resentment comes in when kids don't feel seen, heard, or understood. Behavior that stems from resentment is a plea for connection. It's a plea to be seen, 
heard, and understood as a unique individual. And this is the reason why positive discipline is so important. This connected discipline is so important because you want to avoid these resentments. I mean, small resentments are going to happen. We can fix those right away, but you definitely want to avoid them growing and snowballing over time. You want to build that connection. You want to be able to be a confident leader, but in a way that builds trust and respect and connection. So there are times that kids will test our boundaries. And here are some examples and some reasons behind them. So let's say choices. This is one of the tools that we use a lot, especially with younger kids, but you can use them all the way up through 10s. Great tool. And you're probably well aware of this tool. You probably use it. And you probably understand that the reason it's so good is because it does give kids a feeling of control. It gives them a feeling of control, but within boundaries that we set. You can actually start using them as early as about a year to 18 months and go all the way up through nine or 10. And But the way that we're going to use them will change as our kids age. But here are some ways that kids will test your boundaries with choices and what it means when they do. So your child changes their mind after the fact. So this is where you give them some choices, they choose one. And then after you comply with that choice, they say they want the, the other option. So it might sound like this for breakfast. Do you want toast or oatmeal? Oatmeal. And as soon as you make the oatmeal and put it down, they protest. I want toast. Now, your child does not consciously understand what they're doing, but they're trying to gain power. If your child can get you to make a second meal, it tips the power scale strongly in your child's favor. So if this is a one-time thing, like your child pushes this or tests it after the fact to see if it works, see if you can get it, then this is just kind of a one-time testing thing. And the way we handle this is you let them know they need to stick with their first choice. You chose oatmeal. So this is what we have for today. Tomorrow, if you'd like, you can choose toast. Now, if this goes away, this test, the, the dispute, that was just an experiment. But if you're experiencing a lot of tests of power, then it's time to take a deeper look into why your child feels the need for more power. How can you meet that need? Is your child not getting enough opportunity to experience or exhibit independence throughout the day? Kids are actually much more capable than we often give them credit, and we hold them back from their potential to become more independent and responsible when they're ready. And this will show up in big pushes for power, including a lot of refusals when we ask them to do something. Now, in my experience and the parents I've worked with in the community group, through my private coaching, when I was a therapist, once we give more opportunities for independence, the behavior becomes much more cooperative. It'll turn into cooperative because now that need for power is being met. They're feeling like they're learning. They're feeling like they're growing. They're feeling respected and trusted to take on things that they're ready to take on. And we're guiding and teaching them in those tasks. Another time might feel like your child is testing you when they're taking too long to choose. Now, they can. this can be a test of boundaries. Most of the time, they might be struggling to make up their mind, but sometimes it is a way of trying to gain power, right? They're getting you to wait. So in this case, you can give a warning. This is taking too long. We need to move this on. I need you to choose or I'm going to need to choose for you. And you want to make sure to give this warning. Otherwise, you just offered some power and then took it away before I had a chance to use it. So you don't want to be like, this is taking too long. We're just going to do toast, right? You want to give the warning, give them a chance. You can go into one, two, three magic here if you want to. And we'll talk about that in a minute. The third way kids might feel like they're testing you when you're using choices is taking a secret third option or fourth or fifth option, right? Depending how many choices they got. 
Do you want to take horsey or sock monkey? Dinosaur. So if the alternative choice meets your goal, you can say yes and give your reason. Sure, you can take dinosaur. He's another soft animal to cuddle with at nap time. This is your child's way of letting you know that she's ready for more decision making. This way you're making room for some flexibility by allowing your child to move to the next level. If however, the third choice does not meet your goal, then you can say no and give your reason. So say your child chooses bunny, still a soft animal, but what if it's not right? I'm sorry, we can't take bunny. He's too small and he could get lost at school. So he's safer at home. So you're letting them know why, just the animal's too small. You need to pick something a little bit bigger so that it's not gonna get lost at school. So in these instances, it's not testing a boundary. Most likely it's, I have another idea that I'd really like to, to do. But sometimes a child will make an outrageous choice that doesn't match the choices presented. Like my oldest would try sometimes. Do you want carrots or apple for snack? Ice cream. So I'd restate the options and my reason. That's not a healthy choice for a snack. If you want a snack, you can have carrot sticks or an apple. So now we're gonna talk about one, two, three magic because sometimes we'll move into this one if the choices aren't happening, if they're taking too long. So one, two, three magic, you're probably familiar with this as well. This is a tool used to start or stop behavior where you state the expectation or boundary. You give a consequence that you will use if you need to follow through and you count to three and you follow through. So there's a particular order I recommend learning and using these tools and age guidelines to give the most opportunity to build cooperation and problem solving at each age and stage. One, two, three magic's a little further down. It's once the other more positive things aren't working, we can get to one, two, three. So I know I'm giving you a little bits and pieces, but we're really talking about testing. So I want you to understand that if you've used one, two, three magic or choices and you've run into these scenarios, feels like they're testing where I want you to understand what's going on beneath and how to handle that situation so you can navigate them. So with one, two, three magic, your child may try to interrupt or explain as you're counting. This is a test of the expectation or boundary, right? I'm just going to explain. So maybe I can just kind of get out of this. I'm going to push this boundary. I'm going to push this expectations. Maybe I can just talk my way out of it. You want to keep going, right? Because once you get to one, two, three magic, you've already tried other things, right? So you're setting the expectation at this point. You're like, okay, well, now I need to set an expectation. I'm setting a boundary solid here right now. And it's no longer up for a discussion. So you're going to finish counting to three and you're going to follow through. The second test of the boundaries with one, two, three magic is when a child starts moving a split second after you finish three. This is a test. This is definitely a test. Like, oh, I already did it. Are you just going to let me get away with it? Um, get myself, get my own shoes on or get, get myself off the table, right? Or stop banging my fork, right? I wait till you finish to counting to three and then I'm going to wait a split second and then stop banging my fork when you've already asked me to stop. This is a testing of the boundaries. My daughter used to do this. She would push the envelope on this. And she's also a persistent temperament type. So this will come into play if you have a persistent child, for sure. We'll push those boundaries more often. So you still need to follow through, right? If you had, if you said you were going to take them off the table, you take them off the table. If you said you were going to take the fork away, if they didn't stop banging, then you're going to take the fork away for, you know, I usually would do it for a minute or two and be like, we're going to take it away for a minute. You could try again. Because what will end up happening is if you don't follow through, then the next time they're going to delay the gap a little longer and a little longer. They're going to see how much power <laughs> that they can get out of this process. So then you start finding yourself wondering, like, where is the line? Well, the line is three. So if you get to three and follow through, they're not going to push that gap anymore. And they're going to, OK, my, my mom or dad means what they say. 
when they count to three. Okay, another test kids will do is testing the power of a lie. There's a whole development of when it comes to lying and honesty and ways to deal with this to help kids learn about lying and honesty without shaming. And I cover that in detail in the Honesty, Respect, and Manners class, which is in the Thriving Families membership. That's the one that's currently closed. But if you are interested in the classes in that level, you can go to yourvillageonline.com and join the waitlist. You'll see the programs on the page and it'll say join our waitlist. You can join for that. Or you can just start out with the Successful Families membership for now and get some of these tools going. And then when it opens, uh, you'll be alerted to that either way. Okay, so get back to testing the power of a lie. When a parent confronts a child who has told a lie, the child will continue to lie to test the power of that lie to see if, not necessarily to get away with it, although that's a big part of it, right? I'm still not giving in. I'm still going to keep lying because I don't know if they believe me or not. So I'm going to keep trying for this. But a lot of times it's more to save face, right? Even adults who get caught in a lie, it's embarrassing to fess up to lying, probably more so as an adult than as a child. But you know, and the worse the lie, the harder it is to kind of fess up to it. So kids will test that power of the lie. Maybe, maybe I can get away with this. Let's see if I can get away with this lie. Now, younger kids don't really understand the difference between reality and fantasy. So talking to younger kids about lying and are you being honest and are you lying to me? They really don't understand. So they don't even realize that's what they're doing. I actually, I saw this hilarious video the other day of a toddler who's on, I don't know, one of the reels or something. It was a toddler who had a black marker all over her face. And her mom was asking her if she wrote on her face. And she said, no, I didn't do it. Cute little toddler voice. And mom keeps asking, she's like, no, I didn't do it. I don't know who did it. I didn't do it. And then the camera pans over and she's got the marker in her little fist. And she's holding it, <laughs> little black marker in her fist. And she still insists she didn't do it. And she doesn't know who did it. So it was cute and it was funny. And it was very typical of a young toddler. So the recommended process when you catch your child doing something and it's obvious to you, don't ask if they're lying or don't ask if they did that thing, just state the obvious. So the plant is spilled over, they've got dirt on their hands, state the obvious. The plant knocked over, you've got dirt on your hands, it looks like you knocked the plant over, you need to help me clean this up. The chocolate cake is missing a section and it's all like kind of jagged, right? Your kid has chocolate all over her face. Lily, I can tell you took some of the chocolate cake. I can see a section is missing and you have chocolate on your face and in your hair. You need to go clean up, please. Since you already had your piece, you won't be able to have any after dinner. If you ask, then you're dealing with two issues, the original transgression and the lie. So now you're stacking stuff on. You don't want to do that. We want to state what we know and state the obvious. The last thing I want to mention about testing is that kids need safety and security. Sometimes kids will test our expectation, our rule, or our boundary for various reasons, like the ones I already covered. But one thing kids really need to know is that we can be strong when we need to be. They actually feel better when we hold our promise, our boundaries, even if it means they don't get their way. If we can be strong with them, it gives them a sense of safety and security. It's a big, scary world and we are their protection. So we actually help them feel safe when we set a boundary and when we follow through. It regulates their fear and anxiety when they know we can set a promise and a boundary is a promise and we can keep it. Say with one, two, three magic, but the time I count to three, you need to get off the table or I will have to take you off. And then we let them interrupt us. We let them push the boundary. 
we're showing them that we're not going to follow through and we're not necessarily safe, right? Which PJs do you want to wear to bed? The dinosaur jammies, the plaid jammies. I need you to choose and they don't. And they mess around and they giggle and they dance around the room and they do all the things they do, right? And they start talking about their animals. They start talking about their books. I need you to choose by the time I count to three, I will have to choose the pajamas for you. Then you follow through. You just became a person of your word. Every time you follow through, you strengthen trust, you build connection, you build respect. You're seen as a person of integrity. If you constantly give in, you negotiate, you allow your child to stall. If you can be sidetracked and persuaded by a small child, that's a bit unnerving. It doesn't feel safe. Obviously, also doing so with calm and confidence is also important when it comes to earning trust, respect, and feeling safe, right? If we're emotionally unhinged, that's not safe either. We want to be strong. We want to be calm. We want to be confident. And we want to keep moving our children towards the goal that we have for getting ready to go in the morning, for getting dinner on the table, for getting cleaned up after dinner, for getting cleaned up for dinner, for getting ready for bed, whatever that is. We are in control. We want to show them we have control in a kind, loving, and firm way. If you want to learn how to tap into your child's natural development of autonomy, and growth, the successful parenting playbook has eight classes to guide you in building your strong family foundation of raising kids who are cooperative, responsible, independent, and confident. And the best part is it's only $7. And I stand behind all of my classes 100%. I have so many families who've told me I have changed their dynamic, changed their lives, changed their relationships. So I do offer a seven day, no questions asked, money back guarantee, and seven days a week email support for the Successful Parenting Playbook. And I would love to see you over there. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks.